Hi, and welcome to this special edition of Drug Bites, the pharmacology podcast from MedChutes. This podcast is going to be a follow-up to our previous podcast on antiviral therapy in COVID-19. And in today's podcast, we're going to specifically look at hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine in the treatment of COVID-19. The basis of this podcast is another paper that was very recently produced by Lou et al. And you can find the link to this article in the show notes, which are available at medchutes.wordpress.com. I want to start this podcast off as well by outlining my intentions. At this stage, there is no silver bullet for COVID-19. And all these podcasts that I'm doing and all the information that we're trying to put out as part of MedChutes about COVID is not necessarily endorsing any particular treatment. It's about trying to get word out there about what's going on. And in, and most importantly, what uh, MedChutes is trying to do is explain the treatment that's happening for students that are involved in the crisis so that they can become familiar with the terms that are being thrown around. I want to emphasize that uh, because uh, you would have seen in the media, uh, politicians such as Trump uh, misinterpreting the evidence and saying that all patients should be treated with these experimental therapies immediately, regardless of their indications and contraindications. Because this is such a rapidly changing field, I just wanted to re-emphasize that this is not this is really not information for people to say like, yes, you 100% should be using it. Yes, no, you 100% shouldn't be using it. This is just about me trying to present some of the information that's out there and explain it in a way that um, predominantly students will be able to understand what's happening and that they will then be able to uh, understand what's happening in the hospitals when uh, senior consultants and registrars are throwing around these terms and these drugs and they can kind of have an idea of what's going on. Okay. So now that that little disclaimer is out of the way, this is probably going to be a very quick episode. I really just want to run over uh, predominantly hydroxychloroquine, uh, but we can't really talk about that without discussing chloroquine as well. These, I did mention a little bit in the last podcast episode, but since that episode, they have definitely gained a lot more traction, even in just the last few days. And I've been able to find a little bit more information on it. I also did want to quickly uh, raise this drug called Remdesivir. This is a specific SARS coronavirus antiviral drug, which is currently in clinical trials in China. I don't know a lot about this drug yet, and I haven't been able to find a whole lot of information. It's still very early in the trial process, and it's unlikely to become widely available soon. The benefit of drugs like hydroxychloroquine is that we already have a large supply. It's actually uh, listed in the World Health Organization's essential medicines list. Uh, They've existed for a long time. We understand their effects. We understand their side effects. And that's why potentially they're they're good options in the fight against COVID. So chloroquine was actually originally developed as an anti-malarial medication, now used extensively in malarial prophylaxis. It had a really big issue with toxicity. And the main one to keep in mind is uh, retinal toxicity. These drugs can be very toxic to the eye especially long-term and especially dose-dependent. So high doses, even for a short time, can damage the retina and long-term as well. They're also one of the drugs that uh, the one-pill-can-kill motto for children. So then you need to exercise very high levels of caution if children are involved and in a paediatric setting. 
They have multiple drug interactions, and because they're rapidly absorbed, they can cause rapid overdose and death. They are QT-prolonging agents uh, and can cause heart failure as well as seizures. So that's some of the, the kind of negatives about it, and they're important things to keep in mind. I think one of the dangers as well is that in mild to moderate cases of COVID-19, people often don't need a lot of treatment. They just need to kind of wait it out. Uh, and the danger is because Plaquenil, uh, which is the name for hydroxychloroquine, the, the trade name, because they're kind of available, there's a risk that people will go out and panic buy these things and start treating themselves with it as soon as they get a sniffle. And the danger is that they won't understand these side effects. So that's why, again, I'm not advocating for any of these treatments over the other, but rather kind of saying this is the information behind what's guiding the treatment. So that was chloroquine. Hydroxychloroquine, because of all those really nasty side effects of chloroquine, they needed to develop something a little bit safer. And that's where hydroxychloroquine came in. It still has those toxic kind of properties, so it is still retinal tox... It does still have retinal toxicity. It is still a QT-prolonging medication, uh, which, of course, increases your risk of TSAS. But it is less toxic. Some studies say up to 40% less toxic than chloroquine. And, as I said, commercially known as Plaquenil, while it was originally used as an anti-malaria when it was first produced, its main role now is actually as a disease-modifying drug for rheumatoid arthritis, SLE, so lupus, and many other autoimmune conditions such as Sjogren's Syndrome. And we'll come back to why that's important a little bit later. Some side effects of hydroxychloroquine, as well as the things that we've already spoken about, it can also cause vomiting, uh, headaches, and muscle weakness, Often things as well, which you can, which people see in, uh, in COVID and other viral illnesses. So, uh, again, not a reason for everyone to be put on hydroxychloroquine, regardless of how sick they are. Really, these decisions should be left for patients who are really, really ill. So, the paper that prompted me to make this new podcast was based on evidence recently published in Cell Discovery, again in the references, and looking at hydroxychloroquine and its in vitro effectiveness against SARS coronavirus 2. I'll reiterate again that this is a rapidly changing environment, and this paper was very recently released. It hasn't had a chance to undergo uh, extensive, rigorous peer review. So even though I'm discussing these now, there's a chance that potentially it can be um, redacted down the track. An example of that is actually in the last episode, I spoke about ibuprofen and the theoretical increase in risk. The World Health Organization has now released a statement saying that ibuprofen can be used uh, in COVID-19. There is no evidence to suggest that there's an increase in risk. Uh, so that's just another way to show that the environment's constantly changing at the moment. And I'm presenting some information that is very new and hasn't had the chance to be fully examined yet. This paper looked at the in vitro effectiveness of hydroxychloroquine against SARS-Coronavirus-2, comparing it with chloroquine, which we already knew had some SARS-Coronavirus-2 activity. The key points is that it, it appears to be just as effective at inhibiting it in vitro, and importantly, at doses that are safe for people to consume. So at doses safe for human treatment, you could get a plasma concentration which was high enough to inhibit SARS-Coronavirus-2 activity. The way it works, we think, is that it can inhibit SARS-Coronavirus-2 entry and post-entry activity. 
uh, and it's to do with its transition from the early endosome through to the late endosome. If you go back to your cell biology days, so what it does um, is it prevents acidification of the early endosome during its maturation to the late endosome. And that point is really important because the late endosome is where the RNA virus releases its genome and begins its replicative cycle. So by blocking that, we can prevent SARS-CoV-2's replicative potential. One of the other benefits is that, as I mentioned, hydroxychloroquine is used extensively in autoimmune and inflammatory diseases, and is, it has been shown to decrease cytokine production. And in these really, really sick patients in the ICU, a lot of the illnesses that we're seeing, a lot of the ARDS is being driven by cytokine storm. And because we've got this drug that has potentially anti-SARS activity and anti-inflammatory and immune modulating activity, there's the potential that in vivo, this could help the cytokine storm and help modulate some of these uh, adverse effects. As I say, this paper was only an in vitro assessment. We're still waiting more in vivo assessments, clinical trials. There have been some released. Uh, which do show potentially some benefit, but as I kind of touched on in our last episode, our last podcast, there is in these kinds of scenarios there can be a lot of bias in patient selection, and because there's this real drive to produce a cure, a lot of people will select either intentionally or unintentionally patients which might benefit most from this treatment in the goals of creating the treatment that is going to help everyone, I guess. So we need to be careful with the in vivo studies and make sure that they are good science and that it does show what the trials uh, are saying, that they show that they're not just selecting populations which are going to benefit and excluding populations that aren't. Okay, so that was a lot of information. I'll just really quickly go over it again. So this is an ever-changing field, but at the moment... There is evidence to suggest that chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine could be used in the fight against COVID-19. The main thing that we need to be really careful of is retinal toxicity. And hydroxychloroquine has been shown to have less retinotoxic effects than chloroquine. We also really need to be careful with kids because one pill can kill. Other things to be aware of is that it can cause some gastro side effects and it can also cause QT prolongation. So we need to be careful when it's in combination with other drugs. There are show notes for this episode. They're up on www.medshoots.wordpress.com. On our Twitter page, we're also uh, sharing as much information as we can and joining the discussion around COVID-19. You can follow us on Twitter by looking for at medshoots. You can also search for us on Facebook, YouTube, and Reddit. There's going to be lots more resources coming out soon on all of our platforms, so keep an eye out for that. We're going to try and cover some more basic physiology and kind of MD1-2 level content on the YouTube channel next week, so keep an eye out for that. Any questions, please send them our way. You can do that by emailing us at medchute at gmail.com or getting in touch via any of our platforms. But for now, stay safe, keep washing those hands, don't touch your face, and we'll be in touch again soon. Thanks very much.